what happens when a thousand people decide to travel all of a sudden after being locked in their homes for about six months? The answer is thousands and thousands of tourists at every destination. Yes, guys, it seems that everyone has started traveling, and photos from crowded tourist destinations show their carelessness. No mask, no social distancing, no respect for personal safety. It is all very disturbing. I kind of knew that this will happen, and this is why I didn't make any travel plans. What is the point of traveling when your heart is afraid of everything around you? In a time like this, when interaction is gone, I am sure that my style of traveling will not mean much. But then, if you want to spend your time at a resort, chilling and doing nothing, then who am I to judge you? During these times, responsible traveling is something that means a lot more among a select bunch of entrepreneurs or ecopreneurs who are associated with travel industry. One such venture is TD Forest Garden from Darjeeling. This pretty ecotourism venture offers a localized stay experience in a responsible and sustainable way. I am joined by Utsav, who will be sharing a lot of interesting stuff about his venture and projects associated. Before we start, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on the platform you are listening. Hi Utsav, thanks for being a part of this episode. I have followed your Instagram posts and a lot of updates are really insightful. TD Forest Garden always feels like an inviting place with a unique character for anyone who has not even visited and only knows it through social media. So what is the story behind it? Ha, huh. so uh, it's been about 4 years since uh, we started um the project and um I kind of um discovered permaculture while i was backpacking across the himalayas about 5 uh, years ago and uh, i happened to bounce across the concept of permaculture while volunteering in one of the uh, permaculture farms in uttarakhand um it kind of resonated with a lot of things that i had already subscribed in my head but i didn't know that then it was like uh, yeah there was a term that links all of this So um looking back um I'm able to connect the dots but then it was just guided by instinct where I decided to go ahead and do a a PDC course a permaculture design certification course which luckily was happening in Darjeeling and um then uh, there was this uh, family land that no one had been visiting for the last 20 years or so um so with a bunch of friends um after the course visited the land we camped here for a while and somehow um it was like a calling by the land in itself so um i decided to continue with the project here uh, in uh where tdd is located right now now it's a, it's unlike other permaculture farms in the sense um it's not back and beyond it's next to a highway and of course when we started off there was like piles and piles of trash all around the river was dead and there was greenery around but um, we knew we had to do a lot of work because underneath it was all trash right so um it turned it kind of uh, the project chose its own calling of uh, with a prime focus on river uh, rejuvenation um the forest revival and uh, working with the community to manage the waste so yeah it's been 4 years now that uh, we've managed to kind of 
uh, hang in there, you can say. And uh, along the way, we've launched a couple of flagship buildings, um, and uh, travelers have come uh, here from across like more than 60 countries from around the world. And um, we have evolved into sort of like a eco-learning hub also, where we keep hosting a lot of students from colleges and from um, uh, schools. So um, that's been um, the journey so far for us. And it's been a wonderful one. Off late, everyone has started to talk about responsible tourism and its importance. But then there are templates and no one really understands what these templates are and why they are important. Even experienced people like me often end up being lost in the number of directives to do everything perfectly or in an ideal way. But in this race, we forget what responsible tourism actually is on the ground level. So also, why do you think responsible tourism matters? Uh, responsible tourism is the uh, need of the hour, I feel, because um, um, uh, if we do not respect the land in which we want to kind of tread upon, then after some time, the land itself will no longer be something that would be willing to take new travelers who would want to discover the land in their own way. Um, because despite the fact that traveling is such a joyous thing, right? I mean, it gives us so much when we travel. We learn so much and uh, there is so much to see. There's so much to understand. There's so much that our mind can still be um, expanded. And traveling does that like no other thing in the world. And yet, how is it that when we travel, that we leave the place no better, or in some cases, even more worse than what we found it as? And you see that happening across. I mean, look at the mountains, look at the beaches, uh, look at how it was like, 50 years ago and look at what it is right now in a bit to satisfy our greed we often tend to forget the core need of a traveler that is to discover new lands and discover new people and adding value to that place by your presence there so i think we're still learning as to how the whole understanding evolves as to what responsible tourism is but it is currently the need of the hour because if we don't figure this out the places will stop calling us the mountains will stop calling us the beaches will stop luring us as a responsible tourism venture how does td forest garden ensures long-term sustainability uh, i think to start off with um, we have set up the project not just to kind of make it a resort where uh, we bring in tourists to our place. Um, tourism just happened by chance for us while we were doing the larger project, uh, while we were executing the larger project, which is to revive the forest and the river. So while doing that, um, we realized that um, we could explore our interest on natural building using uh, local renewable resources to um, uh, create beautiful living spaces and once we did that we also looked at ensuring the sustainability of the place by 
the project funding by uh, the project funding itself um, through uh, people coming in and staying in those living spaces and it's just one of those things that we do instead of it being the only thing that we do and so that ensures that we've diversified um, our our project as such that it is not just dependent on uh, tourism only uh, so that there is no bias or influence in the decision making that we do with regards to the project uh, so that's point number one so the other point is that um, choosing the right kind of materials to build uh, will ensure that you always have uh, the place having very less carbon footprint uh, and also given the fact that people coming in from outside are and they staying here are part of the development plan wherein whatever funds that's generated through the tourism is getting reinvested back into the land and river and the people of course uh, so that ensures that um, there is a virtuous circle that is created where the circular system is what ensures that it's a more regenerative system where it goes beyond sustainability. And uh, also the fact that um, we have decided very early on that we do not want to create a center of excellence in isolation. So we wanted a community to go and develop uh, along with us. So uh, the people who are with us today are the real shareholders of the company per se, right? And they have been with us from the beginning and they have grown along with us and uh, their skills have been diversified. We focused on ensuring that um, the employment uh, benefits that we provide to them are not just like the best in Darjeeling, probably it's one of the best in the country. Uh, and also, uh, if you are able to take care of the land, the river and the people, I think uh, the long-term sustainability is a byproduct of that. And it's just now not dependent on one particular person or an individual. Uh, it should be uh, people uh, or individuals would be made redundant by the system in itself, where the system uh, would run on its own. And that should ensure that this particular project is uh, sustainable even in the coming days. And also, I think uh, this has been a very testing time for us across the world. And we are proud to say that we uh, have held on to our family of workers and our workers have held on to us and uh, uh, we are doing what we can do to kind of uh, uh, ensure that life goes on as usual and if you realize we haven't had a guest here in the last four or five months and but we're still able to uh, show up our resources and look at the and focus on the other diversified interests that we had with regards to permaculture consulting or landscaping or uh, bringing the uh, sustainable products in the market through a zero-waste store. So that has helped us sustain even within the pandemic. So uh, with a force that has been as hard-hitting as a pandemic, we are still staying afloat. And I think that that's a good, good sign to indicate that uh, uh, irrespective of what comes uh, as a change in the future, the TED story would still go on. 
You mentioned permaculture and it is always one of the highlights of your social media post. The topic is really fascinating and I have always wanted to learn more about it. If it was not for lockdown and pandemic, I might have gone to Pondicherry to learn about it. But now since I can't and you are an expert, what it is and how it is becoming mainstream slowly. What's permaculture? Um, so I think the best description of permaculture that I've come across is the fact that uh, when someone said that it is a revolution or an uprising disguised as gardening. And that hits the nail on the head. So permaculture is a design-based approach to solving problems. And uh, it is uh, not just a way to garden. It is not just a way to build or it is not just a way to uh, interact with people. It is uh, a very f a practical way of how to live your life by working with Mother Nature rather than against it. Um, it was started in the 1970s in Australia. Uh, not the ideals of permaculture itself, but more so in terms of the term being called out and it kind of uh, the principles being laid out and the ethics being defined. So it was started by uh, Bill Mollison, who is known as the father of permaculture, and uh, David Holman. So um, the term picked up after 1978 as uh, a permanent form of agriculture. Uh, but over the years, uh, given the, f the unique way that it has started appealing to people looking for a more harmonious life with nature, it is now started, uh, it is generally now understood as how do you create a permanent culture rather than not just agriculture, a permanent way of living in harmony with Mother Nature, a permanent culture. So it starts off, uh, it has three basic ethics, that is uh, earth care, people care, and fair share. Just three very simple ethics that whatever that you do, just ensure that you have a checklist on all of these uh, three ethics and then it comes with uh, uh, multiple principles uh, with which which serves you as a guiding light uh, so like i'll give you one example uh, that is problem is the solution which is one of my favorite uh, principles of permaculture where when you come across a problem you don't look at that as a problem that is a challenge that uh, is kind of overbearing on you rather you look at it as an opportunity to solve a problem that may not be directly linked to this particular problem, but uh, may be used to kind of solve some other uh, issue that had been troubling you. For instance, uh, the plastic eco-bricks that is there. The plastic is a problem, right? Everyone like knows that uh, and everyone has uh, kind of come across um, the, the horrendous impact of what plastic is doing to our planet. But, um, and then the other problem that we see around is that uh, the usage of uh, new uh, carbon intensive uh, products that's been used, including plastic, to build or manufacture something that is functional for you. So when you take plastic, the problem is the disposal of it, not exactly the usage of it. So uh, the waste mismanagement of it. So if you take plastic and if you're able to confine it within a bottle, which is again a waste byproduct of like, let's say, juice or water. Uh, so you contain it within that particular bottle by stuffing it in. Again, a very simple thing to do. So 
you would be ensuring that that particular plastic does not go ahead and pollute the air, water and soil. Uh, so you are ensuring that it's contained. So when it's contained, plastic by itself does not decompose. So it becomes like a thousand year old brick. And now you can use this particular thing that you have at hand um, to construct something, to build something. It could be an easy DIY at home using like a plastic eco brick to make stools or it could be something that you are doing an internal partition wall um, that uh, could have otherwise kind of asked you to kind of uh, bring in some bricks to complete the structure. So you can use plastic eco bricks instead of the other bricks that's there. So that's just one example of a permaculture principle. So similarly, there are uh, plenty. Uh, so permaculture, you can look at it as a way of life that teaches you how to live in harmony with mother nature and how to work uh, in harmony with mother nature rather than against it. So I guess permaculture will be one of the essential tourism experiences among those who want to travel sustainably in future. What are other ways in which responsible travel affect travel experiences? How does responsible tourism affect traveler experience? Um, so, I think the experience of the traveler going through a responsible travel experience is more intrinsic than extrinsic. And some of these changes um, that come to him uh, could not probably be evident right away, but uh, with the passage of time, he would realize that it is that particular travel experience that has brought in uh, an evolution in him, an evolution for the better. Like, for instance, we have a lot of our uh, patrons going back to the cities, maybe Bombay or Delhi or Bangalore. Um, calling us, let's say, a month or two months down the line and uh, uh, sharing with us uh, their feedback, which leaves us feeling very, very gratified, saying that we might be on the right track because when they show us their compost bins and say that, hey, you know what, after living in Tiri for so many days, I decided that I will no longer throw my trash out and it is possible based on what you guys are doing that it is possible for me to compost at home. So small things like that and uh, uh, it could be a feedback from like the parent of a seven year old child uh, who says that when the child had to write an essay about his happiest moment in life, he wrote about the TV experience and he was sketching the plastic eco brick and he was sketching the compost bins that was there and you're sketching the farm animals so um, the effect on a traveler is much more intrinsic and it's much more deeper the connections are a lot more deeper you developed permaculture you're working on plastic free travel experiences and a lot more must be in pipeline in my experience anything like this comes with its own set of challenges and hurdles what are the biggest issues have you faced when it comes to creating responsible tourism programs? Um, I think the first one is awareness where people need to be firstly made aware of the climate crisis. Uh, they need to be made aware of the carbon footprint of traveling and uh, they also need to be aware, made aware of 
what they can do and what kind of projects that they can support to ensure that their carbon footprint is offset. Um, the second thing is mindset in terms of how do you view your traveling experience? Uh, do you want to view it as uh, going off to another place to again stay uh, within the walls of not just the hotel room but also the hotel complex where uh, you are provided the best of the amenities but you do not really uh, see a new place? Uh, do you when you go to let's say a new place and you just constrict yourself within the uh, walls of that particular ecosystem that is created for you as luxurious as it may seem so when you are traveling to a new place you need to head out you need to explore you need to meet the people you need to go walk the path that is not talked about in the travel books or even in your lonely planet books so the mindset uh, needs to be uh, uh, changed in terms of how do we travel and see the place. Uh, the other challenge uh, is the financial sustainability of the project because um, ultimately you to run the project successfully you need to have enough uh, cash flowing for you to be able to uh, sustain doing what you are doing. Right, So uh, you need to have a model that ensures that why you're standing true to your principles. Um, you are also have a very solid business plan to ensure that uh, you are able to monetize what you are doing um, in a very uh, sustainable way. So let's look at how. What are the ways that you can overcome these challenges? Also, um, I think foremost is the educational part of your uh, project, wherein um, you start by. Uh, sending out mailers uh, that uh, the welcome mailers that tell people as to how this project is different than other project. Um, you kind of use social media and the online platform that you have very judiciously to ensure that you create the right kind of impact online and also you attract the right kind of people because um, as of now I don't think um, it is for everyone. It should be for everyone, responsible travel. But as of now, till people are evolved further, it is not for everyone. So uh, you need to attract the right kind of people to be able to connect, to be able to uh, connect to the idea that you're trying to sell. Also, lastly, I think as long as you stay true to yourself and as long as you stay true to the ideals and principles that you've set out with, um, all of these things would work out and uh, but you would have to uh, be very proactive with it and not just think that okay because we are doing this project that's good for the environment and that's good for the people there would be people coming and staying with us it doesn't work that way you have to go and grab those opportunities uh, very proactively and lastly what role do you think tour operators and other travel industry professionals should play in educating the general public about responsible tourism um, I think they play a big role, no doubt about that. Um, and uh, I think the tour operators and the travel industry professionals also need to understand uh, what is responsible tourism. What do we mean by regenerative projects? What do we mean by permaculture? Because um, unfortunately, it is often 
misunderstood that when you set up a project like this, it is all about, let's say, having uh, a so-called eco heart, um, let's say, in um, a place that's a little away from the city or the village or the town and um, where you're served uh, probably food that is grown there. But it has to be much more, uh, much, much more beyond that. I mean, the project has to have uh, a plan saying that, okay, 20 years down the line, this is what we are looking at. So we have like, let's say 10 trees right now, 20 years down the line, we're looking at having a thousand trees in this 10 acre campus that we have. And uh, so goals like that, uh, that should be evident on the, uh, the project's uh, uh, timeline. And uh, so this definition of responsible tourism needs to look at it at a much more deeper level uh, rather than just looking at it as a non-hotel project. Um, so responsible uh, tourism packages should also ensure that the traveler gets to immerse and take a dip in the local cultural melting pot because what's the point of visiting a particular place and then you go and um, experience just the points that's laid out for you beforehand saying that these are the seven points that you need to visit in Darjeeling or these are the seven uh, experiences that you need to go through. I think it has to one be a lot more immersive even during uh, even considering the duration so you don't go after like two night three day packages you go with more time in hand actually if you want to experience the place and we go actually with no a real plan in hand you probably go select a particular place that has most of its uh, uh, that has got most of its virtues right with regards to how it is working with mother nature than against it and then you see how it goes and uh, you of course have the larger plan in place but um, if you're looking to kind of experience responsible travel you need to also understand that it entails slow travel at it and it entails um, understanding and respecting the local traditional uh, values and the local uh, environmental and cultural uh, heritage that is there uh, that i think is very important and this is something where the tour operators and the travel industry professionals could play a big role because they would need to kind of first understand all of these aspects and then try and distill it further uh, for, with very uh, interesting and subtle marketing campaigns uh, for their clientele. Thanks a lot Utso for sharing these valuable insights. I hope that the audience found the episode worth listening and ignored the disturbances in the background. <laughs> I know that many of you listening to this episode have started traveling. So I hope that you are following all the rules to make your travel responsible and ethical. Wear a mask, maintain adequate social distancing and make sure that you help those who need help. If you like this episode and our guest, then connect with them on Instagram at TD Forest Garden. That is P-I-E-E-D-I Forest Garden. Also, if this episode was interesting, then don't forget to check out old episodes. You can also connect with me on my social media channels. The links for all are mentioned in the description.